Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs, where we talk with founders of companies who bet on themselves and won. My name is Rich Lebrun, and I am the founder and CEO of Lebrun Advisory Group. You can find us at rlebrun.com. Our mission is to help our clients build wealth through business ownership. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest. Okay, let's get started. Welcome to Get It Done Entrepreneurs Podcast. My name is Rich LeBron and I'll be your host today. Our special guest is Tyler Robertson. Tyler is the founder and chief executive officer of Diesel Laptops. Diesel Laptops was founded in 2015. Diesel Laptops originally set out to help clients with their diagnostic tool needs. As trucks and emission technology became more advanced, a demand was placed in the market for diagnostic tools to meet those needs. Diesel Laptops has four distinct divisions, diesel repair, diesel parts, diesel training, and diesel laptops. Tyler says, when I started doing this seven years ago, I had no idea the impact our company would make in the industry. I just wanted to help people solve problems. What I didn't realize, but I now do, is that Diesel Laptops is positioned to help change an industry for the better. This isn't about diagnosing trucks. This is about empowering clients to save time, save money, and be the hero for their customers. Welcome, Tyler. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the intro. So yeah, I look forward to having a great conversation. Yeah, same here. Same here. And I got a chance to listen to your uh, uh, video or watch your video from your testimony from Penn, Penn Fleet, I think it was. Yeah. And not knowing too much about that industry, they sure uh, gave you a lot of accolades about how you really helped their uh, service the trucking industry. So with that in mind, Tyler, tell our listeners, what was it that led you to uh, start your own business? Yeah. So people don't realize, but I mean, maybe they do now with COVID, how important trucks are to our economy and everything we do. Uh, But what people don't know about that industry, it's really fragmented. So when you buy like a Toyota Camry, it's all Toyota components. When you buy a Freightliner truck, it could have components from a bunch of different manufacturers. So what that creates is a lot of complexity when these things break down. And these are tools people use to make money. So when they're broke down for an hour or unplanned time or two weeks, it's a big deal and they need to get back on the road as quick as possible. And with so much complexity, government regulation on the engines, nobody getting training, there was just chaos going around and trucks weren't getting fixed very fast. So we came in and we said, man, I think we can simplify this for everybody. And it started with a simple idea to hook up to a truck. You need three things. You need a computer, you need software, you need a hardware to go between the truck and the computer. And at the time, nobody was offering all three, three different companies would offer three different things. But we would say, hey, let's just take those three things that exist. We didn't have any of our own products. Let's put them together. Let's just sell a package and let's support it. And let's help our customers be better at what they want to do. And that's really where the idea of Diesel Laptop started. And I started it part-time while I was working for somebody else. Fantastic. Yeah, what I got out of that video is exactly that. And I guess for all of us consumers who hear about the supply chain issue today, uh, getting those trucks on the road quicker and faster, we're the benefactor of all that as well. They are. Everyone is. And I can tell you there's other problems besides supply chain. Our industry, the diesel tech industry, there's around 80,000 open jobs for diesel techs today. Every diesel repair facility is booked out weeks in advance. So when trucks do break, 
there's no immediately snapping your fingers or finding a rental truck. Those things don't, don't happen in our world. And it creates all these ripple effects and all these problems. I was just with my kids yesterday at the movie theater. Guess what? They're out of bottled water. They're out of candy. They're out of popcorn. And they're like, Oh, it's a supply chain. The truck didn't show up. And I'm like, oh, I get it. I, I totally understand what's going on right now in today's world. So we have you to thanks Tyler, thank Tyler to help get this stuff moving more efficiently. So uh, on behalf of all the consumers in the world, we'll give you a big <laughs> thank you. But Tyler, you started this business about seven years ago. What were some of the hurdles and maybe fears you had to overcome to get started? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want to start a business. I was happily working for somebody else. And I actually worked in the truck repair space. And I was kind of doing this as a side business. And one day, the, the people I work for, they came to me and said, Tyler, got an option. Take a double your bonus and take a salary increase or uh, but you need to quit your side business. Or I'm like, well, what if I don't want to do that? <laughs> like, well, then you need to quit. <laughs> We're going to fire you. One of the two. <laughs> so I, uh, I ended up, I ended up quitting and I had a, I had a one-year-old and a three-year-old and a wife that didn't work. And, you know, we, we didn't know it would lead to this path at all. I, I knew I had something. I didn't know how big the market was. I didn't know where the company would go, but it was, it was the great unknown and just trying to, trying to put food on the table, literally those, those first couple months while we figured it out. So the tipping point was uh, maybe helped by your employer. <laughs> I, I always say it was the worst best boss I ever had. Right. So I, I'm thankful yeah. that they made me do that because it, it really forced me to go make a decision. And the fact is my life's better off for it. Theirs is probably as well. And I know my customers' lives are better off. So it, it worked out well in the end. Well, you were kind of forced into that decision, but while you were thinking about it, I imagine there was, if I could capture a little moment in time, did you, did you have some mental hurdles or fears that you're like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't. I'll stick with corporate America. It's safer or. Uh, yeah. Like I said, I had, I mean, I was the only income, right. So yeah. in my family, my household, so my family was dependent on me, but I can tell you, we've, we've always been smart with our money. We didn't have debt. We had cash in the bank. We had a long runway. We had a chance to go do something. And I think the pivotal moment when I look back on it was my wife, because I, I didn't want to do it. My wife's one that encouraged me to quit my job and, mm. and do diesel. And she really just said the, the right way. She goes, look, if it doesn't work out, can't you just get a job somewhere else? And I'm like, yeah. you're absolutely right. I, I absolutely can get a job somewhere else. So let's, let's give it a try. It's now or never. And timing's never, it's never, I, I don't think timing's ever perfect for anybody. It wasn't for me, but it got forced on me. Um, we, we cut the, cut it down to the bone, our family expenses. And we, we made it, figured out how to make a business out of our garage and dining room table. Yeah. That's a magical question that I work with all my clients. I help them buy businesses. You know, the question is when's the best time to do it? And you answered, it's like, now. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I always tell people like the, the best day to change something was yesterday. The next best day is today, right? Yeah. So timing will never line up perfect. Your product will never be perfect. The moons will never align perfectly. You just, eventually you got to de-risk yourself enough to know how much runway you have. And can I go make this thing work? And how much time do I have to make it work? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you had a family that supported you and, uh, and you're right. The outcome is, well, I guess you go back to corporate America. And uh, simple as that. At least, you at least you took a run at it. Looking back, uh, would you, what would you do differently, if anything? You know, we made, I mean, growing the business. So to, to put in perspective, I mean, we're, we're year seven in this. We'll do around 70 million in revenue. And we got over 200 employees. And we've been profitable ever since, right? And I've cash flowed the whole thing. So in hindsight, I'd say today I'm in a good spot. I wouldn't do anything, but I can tell you made a lot of stupid mistakes and I still make stupid mistakes today. Hindsight really is 2020. I mean, we hired, we hired the wrong people. I had employees steal from me. I had hackers steal out of our bank account. I had, I've had all these things happen. And every time it's just a lesson. 
And I had to live with the fact to say, look, I'm going to focus on sales and marketing and grow my company. And I'm going to deal with everything else when I have to deal with it. And, you know, I definitely waited too long on some things like accounting controls, for example, mm-hmm. but it, you know, at least it was an, it was an expensive lesson, but it wasn't a lesson that put us out of business and it's a lesson we're not going to repeat. So, you know, if anything, I'm going to tell people, you just, you got to go for it and you have to learn from your mistakes and make sure you don't happen. They happen again. Mistakes are okay. Just don't make them repeatable mistakes. That's a problem if that's happening in your organization. On the flip side, have you made any what you consider really great decisions that had really, really a big impact on the success of your business? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, every company goes through this. They, they, things start taking off, things go, and they hit a plateau. And they don't know why, right? And I, I realized we hit a plateau and I realized I had stopped working on my business and I was just working in my business. I was just doing the day-to-day, putting out fires and, and we weren't moving along. So one of the best decisions I finally did was decide to hire people smarter than me and that make more money than I do. So I brought in some people that really helped me look at it from a better angle and say, look, we got to fix some foundational stuff. Yeah, you want to go double, triple, quadruple your revenue? You can't do that until you fix these undermental problems that we have in our organization. We're, we're never going to scale up if we want to do those things. So bringing in the right people and really learning how to, how to be a company, how to have structure, how to have a strategic plan, how to have goals. What are goals? Doing those things that we never did. We were just busy selling and slinging product out the door. We weren't busy on growing up organizationally. And that was one of the best things we ever did. Well, you know, Michael Gerber wrote a book about called the E-Myth, and he talks about this idea of working in your business and on your business, et cetera. Can you define that a little bit more? How did you figure out that you're way heavier maybe on in your business and on your business? So our listeners can understand what that looks like in case they're stuck in that same rut. Yeah. So I had a never-ending revolving door of people coming to my office with problems. Not one time do they have a solution. They, they, all had a, they all had a problem, right? And I'm like, okay. And, I, and I'm helping them, right? Because I'm like, hey, yeah, you have a problem with a customer, a problem with a product, a problem with an employee. Yeah, let's, let's work on these things. And, and you start realizing, I'm not getting ahead here. I'm just treading water. And it started to show up in the financials, right? Revenue wasn't growing. We were doubling every year there for a while. And it started to not. And I started to realize like, well, if I'm focused on, dealing with this upset customer issue or employee issue, how am I supposed to focus in the next five years, the company and where I want to get it to. And I realized I wasn't putting in any time towards where the future was. I was just putting all the time into what the company was doing today. And I, that's when I was like, okay, I I get it now why companies never scale up or they hit a certain level because they're not, they're, they're too involved in that. And I can't be. And that was what I was saying earlier. It was, it was tough for me to say, man, I got to go hire someone and pay them 150 grand a year, 200 grand a year. Like I wasn't even paying myself that much money. I still don't take that much money out. And to go do that is really hard to do as a business owner. Cause you think, you know, everything and you, you knew it's your baby. It's especially when you're an entrepreneur, you created it. It's your, it's like your next child. And now you have to hand that to somebody else and you have to realize they're going to do it differently than you did. And that's okay. And a lot of people get stuck in their heads that they have to do it their way. So when I talk about that in your business, on your business, that's what I mean. You know, uh, there's a show out there called The Profit. I don't know if you ever watched it, but Marcus Lamont. Big fan. Yep, yeah. big fan. Yeah. And you know, the number one theme of every one of those businesses is the owner can't get out of their own way it's always the same story. They're just stuck. They're micromanaging. They're not worrying about growing their business. They're just, they're just trying to manage what's in front of them. And it's, it's a really common thing in most small and medium sized businesses. People just get stuck in that, in that routine. And they don't have that person out there. That's really like, guys, here's our five-year plan. 
How are we going to execute it? And they should be spending 90% of their time planning, 10% executing. And it's usually 99% just doing whatever and 1% thinking about the future and what might be a great idea or not. I like that. 90% planning, 10% executing. Perfect. Yeah. Which, which kind of leads me to this next question. You know, the, the saying in, in leadership, it's lonely at the top. You know, you're, you're, the, you're the last person in line. The buck stops with you, all those sayings. Um, but what keeps you motivated? What keeps you, you know, when you get into whatever, a mental fog or whatever it may be, uh, you have quotes, advice, you have mentors or practices. What keeps you on, on target? Yeah, well, I, I will say this kind of goes back to how you introduced me with that, that, that quote that I had. Um, it's, it's why do I do this, right? So why did I do this to begin with was to provide for my wife and family. And then it was, can I make a business? Then can I make a growing business? And we've, as we've checked these boxes, for me, it's always like, okay, what's the next challenge here? And for me, it's exactly what that quote was. I want to go change an industry. So for me, it's not about these little products or this thing or that thing. It's about how do I go positively impact our industry to prevent that truck from even breaking down to begin with? Or if it does break down, how do I shorten up this whole repair process so that truck gets back on the road quicker? So for a lot of me, it's just that undying passion to go do these things. But I can tell the listeners... Like I'm an, I'm an audible junkie. I listen to business books, business podcasts. I, I do all those things all the time. I, my family's entrepreneurs. I talked to like me and my dad were texting last night about different business stuff. Right. So it, it's just, I'm always in that mode. And to me that it's, it's what excites me. It's what I'm passionate about is business, growing a business, helping people changing the world. And I'm in the fortunate opportunity to be able to do that in my space. Well, once you stepped out of that, you know, working in your business, you gave yourself time to, to learn. Speaking of, you obviously sound like a lifelong learner. Are you anything specific you would tell our listeners that you're either reading, listening to, that uh, you could uh, refer them to? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big sales and marketing guy, right? So I can tell a couple of people things that really help me clarify everything we have going on. So, so first of all, if you don't know why you're in business, definitely Simon Sinek. Read, read the books about why, right? Like they'll, they'll, get, they'll really get you focused, hopefully your head right on that side of it. Yeah. Some of, the, some of the other ones that really helped us was Donald Miller's story brand. Oh. You know, I think people are really confused often about marketing and what that means and, and what you're trying to accomplish. But Donald does a great job of really breaking down what does your company really do and how do you put that message in front of your customers, right? We're not selling diagnostic tools. We're saving people time and money. It's exactly what I put in the quote. And it's, it's that story that people connect with more. And once customers understand why you do things, they tend to buy from you and they tend to like you. So you really have to nail that down in, in those regards. And anything you can do with marketing, I'm, I'm a, I, we do, like we're in the B2B world where traditionally in our space, people have done onsite demos and they got sales reps visiting people and driving around the country. We don't see any customers anywhere in person and we don't do demos, but yet we can sell tens of millions of dollars in products every year. And how can we do that? It's just, we do it a different way. And we do that through encouraging customers to, to learn about us. We, we give plenty of testimonials. We give plenty of product demo videos. There's better ways to do things. And I really love online marketing. The internet's a big place and takes up the whole world. Your tribe is out there. You just got to go find them. And the internet's the best way to do that. Well, that's really kind of a disruptive statement. I, I would have thought like um, your business would definitely be a B, B to B business in person. We, we tried it. It sucked. <laughs> like, it really sucked because here's what happened. We, we brought the first guy on. I'm like, yeah, go out and do a demo. You'll probably sell one. And, and he quickly realized you spend half a day or three quarters of a day driving to a location, doing an onsite demo. We'd hook up to the first truck. It would do everything we said. Then the customer yeah. will hook up to that truck. 
It would do everything we said. And we do this like a couple of times and then we'd sit down and maybe they buy, maybe they won't. And we're, you know, we're sitting there like, and, and we were selling, don't get me wrong. We were selling six or eight units a month per sales rep doing that. We're like, this sucks. Like literally this is such a time waste. You talk to one, maybe two customers a day. How are we going to scale this up across the whole United States, North America, the world? Like this is not, not sustainable. And we figured out there's a better way to do it. And the better way to do it was give confidence to customers, take out the sales objections Hey, a 30 day free 30 day money back guarantee. Oh, you want to see how something works? Here's a hundred videos online, exactly how this tool works and exactly what it does. Oh, you want to know how customers like it? Here's a list of references. And by the way, here's a bunch of customer videos and tell them how great we are. And all of a sudden customers like, okay, I'll give it a shot. Worst is it doesn't work. I can return it. Right. So we just learned then our sales reps all of a sudden can sell. 20 units a month, 30 units a month, and they never leave. They never travel. And yeah, maybe we don't close as many deals as a percentage, but for us, it was a much more scalable solution. It seems like the, the testimonial side of your business would be really imperative. I mean, you know, truckers talk, truckers speak, right? And uh, someone owns a fleet of trucks and you're saving them time and money. Uh, if I can just hear them say like the pen fleet testimony, that would go a long way. I mean, it, it's customers buy a couple hundred dollar tool and I, we just had another one yesterday. A customer wrote in and said, man, I bought a $500 tool from you guys. I was broke down the side of the road. I hooked it up. I hit a button. It fixed my truck. And it saved me a tow bill, saved my load. I'm going to bring it in somewhere to get it looked at now. But you got me off the side. I mean, that's the exact evangelist that we want inside our company. And the, we always tell people, our salespeople, look, if we don't save that customer time or money, they should not buy from us. Like that mm -hmm. is why we are here for these guys. And it's a belief that we really, truly believe in. Well, this truck is not only important to distri distribute products, it's actually most of these people, it's their, it's their life, it's their business. It's, this is their job, uh, is driving that truck and bringing product or services across the country. Yeah, people think, you know, especially electrification now, they have EVs and all these things, but people don't realize diesel powers, the farm tractors that do your food, it, it powers the luggage that moves your luggage around the airport, uh, those generators that are in your office buildings are all diesel. The, the, the cranes and earth moving equipment that build construction, that's all diesel. So diesel's out there way more than people think it is. And it's going to be around for, for a long time, regardless of what mainstream media tends to talk about. And you service all anything diesel. Is that right? Yeah, anything diesel. And it, it's really, most of our business today is North America. But I can tell people listening to this, a diesel excavator in North America is not different from a diesel excavator in Australia. They're the same thing. So we have tons of potential to go outside uh, North American once we decide to go there. Well, this next question to be twofold. One is remember our our listeners are twofold. Our, our business owners like you who are want to hear how you're navigating the future. So I want to talk a little bit about that. We have a lot of headwinds. We have supply chain. We have all this, this recession. We have gas prices are going up. You know, a lot of things are happening. People can't find labor. How are, let's talk about that one question first. How are you navigating the headwinds of today? Yeah. So first of all, anytime there's a problem in the marketplace, it's an opportunity. So like we, we just did this for our customers. We have repair shops, right? They, they work on other people's trucks. They don't own their own. So they work on everybody else's. And we, we tell these guys like, look, high fuel prices is the best opportunity. You're going to have a long time to be a hero to your customer. And they go, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, what I mean is every customer that walks through your door you should be offering them a free one hour checkup on anything to do with fuel economy, hook up what fault codes they have, check their charge air cooler, check their tire air pressure and offer it for free. If you don't find anything, it's absolutely free, Mr. Customer, because what they're going to do is they're going to buy those services. So when we look at all these headwinds for us, it's always an opportunity. When COVID happened, everyone locked down. Well, guess what? Trade shows were a big part of our industry. All these trade shows that everyone goes to and they stopped. 
So what did we do? We said, we're going to make the first online virtual only event trade show. And now we've done that three years in a row and we get tens of thousands of people that attend the show. So whenever there's a headwind, there's obviously problems going on. But if you think about it from a different angle, there's always some way you can better yourselves, whether it's a new revenue opportunity, a way to make you more important with your customer, a way to provide more customer service. Those that can adapt and change quickly usually end up much, much stronger once we come out of whatever headwind problem that we're seeing. And I don't view today's headwinds as any different than any of the headwinds we face over the last 20 years. Okay. So you don't have to share your secret sauce unless you want to, but how are you recruiting people today? That seems to be one of the main issues. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's a problem everybody's facing today. So for us, it's been a couple things. One, uh, we pay better than normal. I'm not going to say we're, we're the, we, we pay the absolute best in our marketplace, but we do pay better than normal uh, for that. We actually have all the employees tied to company growth. So they all get a pretty big check at the end of the year if the company hits certain revenue grows, right? So we, we have some great comp plans that we put together. Another part of it is just continue education with our employees. So we are really big on training our employees on various different skills, whether we do it online or in person. So we focus tremendously on that. And I think we have a great culture here at Diesel Laptops. We have plenty of employees. They post on LinkedIn. They post on Facebook. I love the company. Look what I'm doing today. They're excited to work here. And we want employees to feel like they're a part of something, not just an employee. So you kind of put all that together and you get everyone rallied behind the fact that, hey, we're not selling tools. We're changing an industry. You tend to attract a lot of talented people that are like, yeah, I'm in on that. I want to come change something. I want to do something more than just deal with these widgets I've been dealing with over here for the last 20 years. And we get people applying all the time, reaching out to us, just saying, I'm, I'm at a job. I'm kind of okay, but man, you guys look really exciting. There's a lot of cool stuff. Like, would you need somebody? And they're, they're just, they're contacting us all the time on LinkedIn and Facebook and these other, these other methods. So we get, we're getting a great sense of talent in there, but we do have a full-time internal recruiter as well. And that's all he does is he's filling up roles for us. We're up about plus 30 employees since the beginning of 2020. Uh, you know, you said, you know, so many of uh, the people I interview in the podcast uh, have this right, right uh, mindset towards uh, headwinds, you know, they see it as an opportunity. And so uh, I think if you can step back long enough out of being in your business and say, what's going on around there? Is there any silver lining in any of this uh, negative conversation in the marketplace? Uh, you can create opportunity. And the other one is mindset about employees. You know, you obviously designed a company that people want to be a part of, and that's important. The other question I have is a lot, the other part of our listeners are people who are in corporate America and are saying, gosh, I really like to get out of this rut maybe, or I'm tired of the multiple acquisitions and mergers that I've been uh, a part of. And they, they like to be their own boss. What would you tell them today? Yeah. I mean, a couple things. One, find something you really enjoy doing, right? Don't, don't just go do something. Cause you're like, man, I think I can make a lot of money. So find a, find something that you really are passionate about and, and you can become the expert in. The other thing I'd say is don't take a risk you can't afford to lose, right? So if you're sitting there today being like, screw it, I'm quitting my job today. That's a bad idea. Like have a plan, try to do as much as you can, maybe get some products and services, try to do some side hustles, try to build it up, make sure it works. And it doesn't have to be perfect. I can tell people when we first launch products, they are far from perfect, but we are not the enemy. We're not going to be... Perfection can be the enemy here. So we're going to come out with products. It's just, hey, here's this thing. Let's throw in the market. Let's see what the response is. And is it a killer product or do we expand on it and make it even better? So I think it's all those things. But I can tell you this, tell everyone listening. I was 36 when I quit my job to do this thing at Diesel Laptops. 
I got paid for over 10 years to work for somebody else and learn this industry inside and out. So it's not too often you can get paid to actually get an education on something, right. but I, I really like, truly feel like I did. So it doesn't hurt to have experience in whatever you're going into as well. Uh, any regrets? Uh, you know, I, I'll say this, you know, being an entrepreneur, there's a different aspects of your life. There's professional life, there's personal life, there's your health, there's your social life, and there's religion. Those are usually like the five buckets. I've yet to meet someone that says, man, I can execute all five of these perfectly. <laughs> you, you have to learn that there are, there's, you need to pick two, maybe three if you're really lucky and fortunate to say, these are the things that I, I, I'm going to be good at. And you have to live with that those choices. Right. So unfortunately I can tell people there's, there's been things in my life. I wish I could change and go back, but that would mean me giving up something on the other side of the coin as well. And it's a really difficult line to balance and you just got to be aware of that going into it. Yeah. Great, great, great thoughts there. Well, you sure seem to build a a great company. I can just tell by your passion, you are committed. This is something that was ingrained in you somewhere along the way. You are so so convinced that what you're doing is helping helping an industry, and so again, we don't see it every day, but I guess we are the benefactors because you're keeping those trucks on the on the road and, and diesel equipment running, which we are they're producing goods and services for us. Okay, so how can our listeners get a hold of you the best way? Yeah, so I'm a big fan of LinkedIn. I've been posting on LinkedIn since like day one about my journey. So they can go through all seven years worth if they really want to see. But just look up Tyler Robertson on LinkedIn. Otherwise, our company website's diesellaptops.com. Tons of industry information on there too if they want to learn more about us. Very good. Well, thanks again for your generosity and sharing. I know our listeners are really grateful uh, to hear uh, your wisdom. And with that, I hope you have a great day. Thanks for your time. Thank you much, Rich. Rich LeBrun here. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast, Get It Done Entrepreneurs. If you're a successful business owner who would like to be on this program, please visit us at rlebrun.com forward slash podcast and fill out the form and we will reach out to you. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know of someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag GetItDoneEntrepreneurs. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, And reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, rlebrun.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.